right, Nico, can you say welcome to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies? It's a happy episode. Um, happy babies. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Jay Warren. And as you know with this podcast, it's all about information about healthy pregnancy, natural childbirth, excellent postpartum recovery care, as well as infant care, baby care, and early childhood development. And today's episode is all about the kiddos. And I am super excited for today's guest, not to undermine the excitement I feel for all of the guests that have come on, but today I'm having a conversation with Mike Dooley. Uh, Mike Dooley is somebody that I have followed his work for over a decade. I first found out about him in the movie The Secret when it first came out in 06, and I've been reading his books, and I've gone to a few of his seminars and listened to his audio programs ever since. And I also get his daily emails. He writes uh, notes from the universe that I get five times a week, and I've got them for over a decade, and I read them every morning, literally. I mean, there's been stretches where I haven't, but they're little inspirational quotes or messages that are all about magic and dreaming big. And he's also writing children's books now, and that's what he's here to talk about. So with all of the books that are more on the kind of positive thought movement, personal development, he's putting those messages now into a couple of children's books that I bought immediately as soon as I found out he had started to write them. And the very first book I ever bought Nico was... Mike Dooley's Dreams Come True. It came out the same month that Nico was born. And a couple years later, another book, uh, Your Magical Life, came out. And I have that one as well. And I wanted to bring Mike on to talk about you know, early childhood development and reading to your kids, the importance of these messages, but also because he's a new parent as well about how to, in the day-to-day, have those kind of qualities and intentions um, show up rather than getting stuck in, I can't get my kid to brush his teeth or get her to get in the car seat or all the other errands and the minutia of things we get caught up on a day-to-day basis. So it's my absolute pleasure to have him on the podcast today. I'm going to be introducing him in a second, um, but first I wanted to tell you, I do have another podcast um, that is now launched. It's called The Dadhood Journey, and it's all about supporting dads. So as you know, with this podcast, over 120 episodes, it's all been mainly about pregnancy and postpartum and moms and babies. Um, There's been a few episodes for dads, but now I have another podcast that while it isn't about pregnancy and postpartum and, you know, how to change diaper, it's more about being a dad, sharing little messages, wisdom that I've come across, either learn myself and want to share, or that I've come across in my practice, in my interviews, that can help dads be really engaged with their kids, be really just strong and happy dads, as well as partners and men. And uh, we can do that for our families to have them really strong. So I just want to let you know that it's in iTunes, um, Google Play Music, all the places you listen to the podcast. It's called The Dadhood Journey. You can pass that on um, to your husband or to your mate. If you're listening yourself or if you're a dad, go on and check that out as well. So let me now introduce Mike and give you some background on who he is before I switch over to my conversation with him. So... 
Mike Dooley is a New York Times bestselling author, metaphysical teacher, and the creator of the wildly popular Notes from the Universe. His acclaimed books, Life on Earth, Leveraging the Universe, Infinite Possibilities, Playing the Matrix, among others, have been published worldwide in over 25 languages, and his children's books are now available, Dreams May Come True and Your Magical Life. He was one of the featured teachers in the international phenomenon, The Secret, and is founder of the Philosophical Adventures Club that is now home to over 750,000 online members. Mike lives what he teaches, inspiring audiences the world over, so far in 132 cities, 34 countries, and on six continents. So with no further ado, let me switch on over to my conversation with Mike Dooley. All right, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jay. It's been, I mean, it's taken a little while for us to connect. I mean, I'm really happy you're taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. And I've been listening to you, reading your books, getting your emails for years. So it's really a pleasure to have you come on and talk about your children's books. Um, I have to say it was the very first book I bought my son when he was born. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. I have a four, four and a half year old son. He was born in October uh, 2013, which I think is when it was released. The first one, Dreams May Come True. Yeah. So you're a new dad. Oh, I am gosh. a new dad, as well as you, right? <laughs> and I am as well. I have a four year old daughter, just a couple months younger than your son. And uh, wow, what an adventure. Yes. Wow, wow, wow. It changes day by day, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and it gets better uh, day by day. Uh, long days uh, sometimes, but nothing could beat it. And uh, you know, as you know, and as I look back at the, the transition from you know newborn to four year old, now talking and dancing and telling stories, it's just like you know nothing can really impress you regarding the miracle of life more <clears throat> than just seeing it bloom in front of your very eyes it's like oh so fun right every i've found every stage with my son just to get better and better i mean they all have their own challenges right uh, they yeah. bring their own um but every, sleep like deprivation the, and yes like <laughs> temper looking, tantrums here and there we had a few of those and blew our mind <laughs> like, yes my little flower i can't right. believe she's wants to scratch my eyes out. Right. And like, how am I ever going to get my kid in the car seat? Like, it's just yep. it's never going to happen. We're stuck here forever. Yeah. But seeing, as you said, just that miracle unfold and the creativity and the dots connecting and understanding like what an impression we make upon our kids um, mm. is is humbling. And so, you know, going back to like your body of work, I mean, I first started following you like when the secret came out way back when in 06 that's when the first time i started reading your notes from the universe and i've been reading those daily for that wow. whole time yeah and all of your other books have been really just amazing like with infinite possibilities and leveraging the universe and now playing the matrix i think that's one of your best books if yep. i do say so myself a great culmination of everything you've been teaching oh thank you and now you're putting into the kids works i mean how did that how did that come about? Was it parenthood that inspired it or? Uh, wow, gosh. You know, I, in hindsight now, I see it as a very unpredictable, ser serendipitous path that really no logical brain could 
chart ahead of time. And, and I teach, as you know, like in my, you know, primary program, Playing the Matrix, you know, of course, on living deliberately and creating consciously, that w we just should never be a micromanager of our futures because we just can't see what's around the corner, whereas our higher self or call it God or call it the universe sees everything. So if you say, you know, you want a creative, fulfilling career, the universe is like, you know, I know you, I know what you're good at. I know what you're going to fall in love with. I know who's going to fall in love with you. And here's an incredible path. Whereas if we had attached every time we attach or insist on anything in life, um, we close all the other doors. So keep a broad kind of scope in your vision for your life and and then show up knocking on different doors turning over every stone and thereby divine intelligence can reach us with the quickest shortest way and the way it reached me my gosh with an, a degree in accounting to start out with worked at price waterhouse for six years then sold t-shirts with my brother and mother for 10 years um, I simply wanted to be an entrepreneur, you know, I didn't care what I was selling. And so we ended up selling souvenir t-shirts with my brother's art. And then lo and behold, with my writings, and I was an accountant, I didn't have writings. Um, but the more clever the t-shirt slogan, the more t-shirts we'd sell and the more money we'd make and the more fun we'd have because it was just very fulfilling to deliver something, invent something that people were so charmed by. Because our t-shirts had messages about dreams coming true, believing in yourself, picture in your mind, uh, and things like that. Well, um, that's that already is something I never could have dreamed of, nor been availed of if I had insisted early on, I will do this, I will do that. Um, then when the trends were declining, uh, I was kind of desperate to resurrect my life, my fortunes. Um, I was almost 40 years old and I was starting over and didn't know what I was going to do. I, I circulated my accountant's resume. I looked at franchises. I looked at, I mean, I had no idea what to do next. But the one thing that I did have, which didn't seem like anything, I felt like I had nothing. I still had a database of people who were receiving the T-shirt deal of the week <laughs> and the T-shirts had inspirational sayings on them. There was no more T-shirts because we had liquidated our business. Um, otherwise, we would have gone down. So, you know, I'm trying to fumble around and start my life over again. And I thought, you know, I can keep sending people weekly emails. I think I had 3,000 addresses at the time, people who had visited our retail stores. And uh, instead of selling a T-shirt, just for the heck of it, just share motivation, inspiration based on these new thought worldviews of us being God particles um, capable of living the life of our dreams. And so, so I did that and uh, made no money, but the list grew popular. And so I started speaking. I mean, I'm, I'm like the accidental teacher uh, in you know, motivator, philosopher, because I didn't plan on doing that. Uh, I, I just wanted to have a great life, period. Very selfishly, I just wanted to have a great life. Uh, but the more you are of service and the more you are giving folks what they want, and we all want some degree of inspiration from one source or another, you know, as long as your brand resonates with enough people, um, the more 
in demand you'll be, the more money you'll make, the more fulfilled you'll feel, and on and on and on. So it kind of just turned into this upward spiral in spite of a very slow two years. <laughs> I mean, the first year I made no money. The second year I made little to no money. And then the third year I'm on a world tour. I've got self-published books, uh, a fan base that was, you know, in the tens of thousands. And, um, you know, Bob's your uncle, as they say in England. Everything took care of itself. And, of course, along the way, I was speaking to audiences, and one of the most common questions I would get after people talked about fear, fear of the unknown, fear of negative thoughts, and all that kind of stuff that goes with my message, or that is conjured up by my message of the importance of having positive outlook, um, I would be asked, when am I going to create something for kids? Again and again and again. And, you know, that was my early 40s and by then I still had not ever married still had not ever had kids and so it just really wasn't so much on my radar um, you know today I'm 57 I'm a late blooming first-time dad <laughs> and uh, it was probably towards the tail end of my 40s that just the demand was so great I wanted to start thinking about it so I started doodling and collecting uh, my different writings that would be suitable for kids and uh, eventually well within years because I couldn't get a publisher to publish it even my own publishers Simon and Schuster uh, at the time wouldn't publish my kids book so really? it, it dragged on and finally I self-published it sorry go ahead they, they didn't see a demand for it they didn't want to publish going to kids books oh uh, the from a business perspective, and every publisher will confirm this, uh, it is very difficult to turn a profitable kid's book. Hmm. Now, of course, you know, if you write The Giving Tree or Dr. Seuss or right. others, you know, you will be a zillionaire. Mm -hmm. But there is no shortage of cute kid books out there with good messages. The, the truth is, not many go as esoteric as my second book or even my first book which is very much about you know the power of thoughts and dreams coming true but still there's a lot of cute books out there and when you take into account book costs and the risks a publisher has to take with a, an advance presumably um, and mo market posture if you're not famous and I was certainly not famous um, just known within my niche then it's a you know it's a it's a roll of the dice. Mm -hmm. So there is a demand, but everybody keeps buying Dr. Seuss and other books printed in China for seven dollars, and uh, it's it's a very challenging business. Coupled with the fact that the book industry has truly been pummeled since the advent of the internet and eBooks and uh, uh, you know all the stores that are gone now that sold books back in the day evidence this so so that's why it was kind of slow going for me I, I'm happy to say you might recall all the celebrations from my website back when my first kids book and I only have two even now came out it was a huge success amongst my own community really I mean I printed 5,000 and they were gone in like two days and then I ordered 10,000 uh, 
but the, these were also coming from the Orient and I had to wait three months before they arrived. And then I printed 5,000 more stopgap in the middle from a U.S. publisher. And I mean, they were all gone as soon as they landed, which is pretty unusual for a kid's book. But the message is right. Uh, I had the platform. Um, and those who know what I would say you and I know and your listeners know um, about the importance of thought and the importance of understanding our power, the importance of understanding our responsibilities um, in a spiritual way um, can't be imparted at too young an age. Right. So, so now here we are, there's two more books out there and I continue to work on other things and I've got some other kids books, you know, in the wings. Oh, good. Uh, with all else that I'm doing. So, yeah, it's exciting. I think the truth is emerging the world over. So I think these kind of books uh, and this market that I cater to is is growing and demand is increasing all the time. Right, because, I mean, as new parents, like, we all hear the benefits of reading to your kids, right? Like, the, those kids that are read to as a child become readers later on. And there's all that, you know, language development and concentration and, you know, they want to learn thirst for knowledge. But two things I've noticed as a parent beyond all of that, and that's not, not really why I like read to Nico every night, but it's, it's more of like bonding time. It's a really special time for parents to like sit oh, down yeah. with their kids. And then you can't help but notice, especially because you're reading the same books over and over and over again, <laughs> that you want good messages to go to them, right? And most kids' yeah. books are, but sometimes it's a little more tangible about how to deal with this problem and that. But the the big picture, the big message that you've had in all of your adult books that has made me such a fan of yours, like are now in pages that I'm reading to my son that are going into his brain and imprinting. You know, and it's something that I think all parents want the best messages for their kids. And then, as you said, like more and more so parents are wanting to have those bigger picture um, on that spiritual plane and the just empowerment as well as just believing in your kid that you that life is magical rather than a drudgery. <laughs> and Indeed. we see that in our kids as a parent, you know, like we can get caught in the day of day and then you have a kid and everything's new and magical yeah. and fun and it makes it that way for us too so it's kind of reju it can rejuvenate a parent to get back on it oh absolutely i i'm the one who gets to read every night to my daughter mm -hmm. and um incredible bonding time uh play time uh, open mind time and again like like your son i'm sure read it again read it again you know yes. after five readings of the same book in one night but um, but the message is there and it's being repeated and that is priceless. Right. We had mentioned before we got, um, started with the interview, I've had Dr. Bruce Lipton on the podcast before talking about early childhood development and how important the messages are within the first seven years of a kid's life because their unconscious mind is wide open and just receiving without filter. And so that instills in us a responsibility to, you know, make sure those messages going in are as good as possible. And I think more and more as we learn that kind of information, I mean, it's never going to be perfect, but 
We want to just fill their cups with these beautiful messages and have it. I mean, again, your books are just gorgeous books. Like your illustrator, man, is she amazing. Virginia, thank you very Virginia, much. Yeah, they're, they're just phenomenally beautiful books, just even regardless of what you've written in them. But they're just really, really special. And I think that's something that, Spur, at least now that Nico's four years old, my personal experience is he's starting to ask questions about the messages that were in it. Whereas before, you know, it's just beautiful pages uh -huh. and he's like, oh, this is a, a sunflower, you know, and just tearing <laughs> the pages and like, don't tear the pages, you know. Um, but now he's asking, like he actually, if you don't mind me, um, I was telling him that I was going to be um, talking with you today, the one who wrote this book as I was leaving this morning. And I said, do you have any questions for him about it? And he said, how come those kids get to live in a balloon? <laughs> <laughs> because they go on an adventure in the balloon and there's dolphins flying all around. And so he's like, he's engaged in a different way. And I think that's what all parents yeah. want. Yeah, that's what we see. That's what I see with my daughter. I mean, it, the most innocent perspective and the most interesting observations. And, and sometimes it's almost seems not that relevant to be talking about dreams coming true and how powerful we are and the possibilities that exist for us because she's just happy with everything. You know, I could read her any other book. But you said it, you know, their minds, their souls are so open um, the questions do come about, about a dream. And is this like a nighttime dream or do you, you know, know it's more like of what you want to happen in the future and you think about it and you smile about it and you know that it's, uh, going to be provided to you. And she gets that, like she gets everything else and the, her ability to learn, uh, has, you know, I, I have the great fortune of being married to uh, a lady who grew up in Mexico. Naturally, first language for her is Spanish. And um, it is beyond supernatural how my daughter is fluent in Spanish. And it was like from it went from like nothing to full fluency, <laughs> um, probably just after reaching three years old. And my wife rarely speaks Spanish in the house unless she's mad. Is that right? And uh, I'm like, please speak more. This is such a golden opportunity. But with a few visits to Mexico for a, a couple of weeks at a time, uh, playing with a lot of other children, uh, she is utterly fluent. I mean, she knows the word for, you know, th the strangest thing, rock or dirt or tongue or elbow. I mean, you know, I've been learning, trying to learn Spanish for 10 years now. And I don't have that. And, and I'm, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say supernatural. The kid's ability to learn and absorb at that age, even though you know, we wonder if they get the deeper concept of what it means to dream. Um, they're getting it and they'll contextualize it and spit it back when it has more relevance in their immediate life. You know, now if she has a ball or wants to go swimming in the backyard or her tricycle, so many things thrill her. But when she gets more discerning, she's going to be at a place where these lessons that I'm sharing with her through my books and others will be the most impactful, uh, most um, available, you know, on the tip of her tongue, like common knowledge, just like her Spanish fluency is today. Uh, a, a fluency and a knowledge and a, a, a wisdom, if you will, that somehow we don't, we can't get as easily as we age. I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to argue for my limitations, right. but 
you know, I'm not going to speak Spanish as quickly as a child and nobody, no adult will. Um, and I'm not going to pick up our power and infinite possibilities as quickly as our children, which is why these topics in reading are, are so important. Right. And going back to, you know, with bringing the magic back into our lives as a parent, because we get to see the world anew through our kids' eyes, I've noticed, and, and a lot of the parents that I work with, I work with a lot of kids in my practice, um, it's almost like they're not learning anything new in this message. I almost think of it as like they're just remembering or being allowed to remember that because so many of us adults, and maybe this is the drive that you were hearing from um, the attendees of your seminars and um, feedback from your books is that, you know, we go through life as a kid and then all of a sudden we got to be quote prepared for the real world. And a lot of that magic gets patterned out of us through homework and prepping for tests and getting into college and getting a job. And then we find ourselves not as fulfilled as we thought we were going to be if we got all those things. And then a lot of us find ways to work like yourselves and others to unwind that programming to get back into the magic of life. And parenthood can, I think, accelerate that and be like, hey, they're having a good time. I should have a good time too. But also parenthood's hard. You know, and it's easy to get stuck in the like, all right, just get in the car seat. Let's get going. We got to get here and run these errands. But there is that element, I think, of at least the kids that I'm seeing here of they're just booted up that way. And the more we can do as parents to keep them that way, the better for our whole planet, really, because then they won't have to undo that. Yeah, it's so much a function of just like not getting in their way because they came here Mm. with all cylinders firing you know, inner senses, outer senses, and we want to accentuate the truth and we want to just, you know, let them continue growing in that way with an exposure to empowering messages. Right. And I know, so you being immersed in this, you know, kind of message for the latter part of your career when you started writing books and and teaching, like how... How is it day to day as a parent holding that space when there are the tantrums and there are the sleepless nights or if they're sick or everything? Like, what's your biggest challenge as a parent um, to kind of keep that space? Mm-hmm. Great question, because, boy, they can throw you off balance. You know, <laughs> you've got an appointment. She has no concept of it's time to leave now. <laughs> right. Um, you know, she has other priorities. I feel like it's a a nonstop learning process. I feel like I am um, kind of the student, if you will. Not that she's teaching me, but I think in every challenging situation that I have with her, you know, finishing her dinner or whatever else, um, I feel like I can, I don't do it with words or, or with prayer. But I feel like there's kind of a, a weighing in my mind of the highest and best way to deal with this. I mean, when do you put down your foot? When do you pick her up physically and say, we have to go here? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's, you know, that touches on, you know, uh, kind of maybe an unnecessary aggression. It's much better to get her to step into the car on her own than me to pick her up. So it's it's constantly like a dance with my higher self or me checking in with feeling like what will be the most productive? Mm-hmm. Um, w- is it worth it? Uh, do I really have to get what I think I want out of this? You know, a prompt bedtime by, you know, 8, 8 p.m. Or 
Should she really get up right now or could she have another 15 minutes sleeping? Uh, so I'm constantly checking, checking, checking. And I think that's how I hold the space. I never enter into it or feel like I'm, I'm on a mission or this is what I must accomplish or this is where I draw the line. I mean, even if I, I drew a line one night, I wouldn't be like, okay, I'm always going to draw that line. Right. It's, it's always this dance dependent upon circumstances, moods, perspectives, outlooks, exterior deadlines, per, you know, and, and of course, th there's always the, the mandate that I have on myself, n never so consciously it's second nature now, but, but to have a spiritual approach, mm. you know, it's like, does this make sense? You know, it, it, is there, you know, is the answer none of the above? Uh, is there something different I should be doing? And it's just constant, 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 just, but natural, natural, natural. You know, I, I think yes. since I'm so, if I may say, conversant or fluent with this kind of thinking, I mean, I've been into new thought, spiritual worldview since my late teenage years, my first and second year in college, my mom would send me these crazy books that really blew my mind wide open. And ever since I got them, it's been about, okay, how do I make my life rock mm. with this information? And, and while that might sound selfish, I think in the beginning we, we have to be, um, you know, my mom would also always say a charity begins at home, even in this regard. Um, but my life rocking, particularly as you know, you get older, you know, even in your thirties, uh, becomes dependent on happiness and joy in my immediate circle of family um, and even in my friends. You know, if my friends are miserable, but I'm living my dreams, I, you know, I'm alone. I'm an island. It's it's not what anybody wants. Everybody wants to share this awesome, magical journey. Um, and that sometimes means, you know, slowing down for someone who's can't go as fast as you metaphorically. Uh, it means putting someone else's needs in front of your own temporarily. That's a huge button for me because I was raised in kind of a church environment. And the, man, the, the advice was always to put the needs of others before your own. And I do not believe that that is a wise choice in life. We didn't come here to live for other people. We came here to follow the beat of our own drummers, which will eventually bring us around to moving in concert with the needs of other people, but never negating our own desires, so to speak. So while I said that a moment ago, that I think there are certainly times in our adventure when we most want to put the needs of others before our own, I don't think that that is a basis for living one's life, being selfless, no way. I, I, like, I like being Mike. <laughs> I like take care, taking care of Mike, and I'll do a better job taking care of my daughter uh, and those I love when I've got my own foundation going on. Right. And that is, I mean, it's such a big um, theme I see in especially new parenthood, the idea of self-care, because parenting, especially in that first year, in the first years or the whole time, like we devote yeah. so much of our time and energy and it's all about the kids. It's all about the kids. Right. And right. at some point we all grow, I mean, resentful is a strong word, but there becomes that like, what about me? Um, yeah. that bubbles up and sometimes it's stifled and we go like, no, 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 it's not about me. It's about the kids. But 
I firmly believe every kid needs the happiest dad, the happiest mom right. possible. And that might mean doing things for yourself. And again, like with the messaging of your books here to like instill like power in the in the children and magic, like we need that as parents too, which might mean separate time. Um, and to put our own needs first, but that can be really hard, especially for a new parent where you kind of wear that as a, uh, a badge of honor of how selfless you're being. Right. You know, and, and it's kind of a cool place to be. I mean, you know, bringing children into the world is no small endeavor and yeah, there's, there's going to be a year or two and the rest of your life where their needs and desires are your needs and desires and is a massive, massive, massive change. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I, in one way, I am so, so blessed to be experiencing this at a time in my life where I'm not trying to squirrel away more nuts. I'm not <laughs> trying to find out who I am. I'm not trying to find out where my life is going. It's like, uh, an, an incredible luxury to have done it in the sequence that I've done it. And so it is with glee that uh, I am able to spend almost all of my free time with my daughter. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. um, and I do need to come up for air. Yes. Um, but all of that is part of the thought process of, you know, this, this, that should be entertained before this adventure begins. And then, you're totally right. There goes, <laughs> there go all your old priorities. Right. But joyfully, joyfully, for the most part, joyfully. Right. And consciously, you know, there's that aspect of, okay, but in my life, like there, my priorities have definitely changed and it's not because I'm doormatting to my family life or to my child. It's more of like, well, my priorities have changed and I want that for me as well. Um, yeah. And that, that serves the child, obviously, but what serves them in a higher sense, I truly believe, is, you know, a filled dad and a filled mom to come from mm -hmm. a full mm -hmm. place rather than constantly to be being depleted um, by not taking care of yourself and doing your own thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, that's a topic for a book in itself because <laughs> it's so easy to overlook. And our our old school society is too often ready to point fingers and say, you're selfish, you're selfish. And it's like, it's survival at times, you mm -hmm. know, having that time out, that breather. And, and for me, thankfully, a second parent, my wife, that can, um, you know, take the baton and, and I can do that for her. Right. Now, just re you just mentioned um, the influence your mom had, and I heard an interview you gave a few years ago about all the gifts that your mom gave you being her parent. And I wanted to ask you what, what qualities, what things that she did that you're consciously doing with your daughter that you're wanting to bring in that um, was so helpful for you or you revere or loved about what your mom did with you that you want to continue on. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, with a daughter that's only four years old, I don't have the latitude um, that that I will have when she's a little bit older. But one thing my mom gave to me, if you will, it, that, that was relevant from my first breath was she was always, always there. And it was a luxury that not everybody has because she was a stay at home parent. And, um, and, and, and kids don't have to have two 
you know, even one stay-at-home parent. There's so many great possibilities with preschools and extended family that can fill the gap. But that was something that she gave to me. And uh, we had a phenomenally close relationship until until she passed away at 82 a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, talked every single day uh, on the phone, uh, virtually my entire adult life. And, uh, and I, I always feel fortunate that she was just always there because I always knew I was important to somebody. I always knew that somebody cared. Mm. Um, and that, that for me made a difference. I wouldn't change it. The other thing my mom did, but when I was older that, uh, I want to emulate and do with my daughter is, you know, I kind of feel like she gave me license always to dream big. I always felt like, you know, if you want it and you work hard enough at it, you can, you can do it. You know, there was just absolutely nothing that she ever would scoff at or be like, get reasonable or Mike, you have to be realistic. It's like, you know, whatever. And, and it wasn't that she sat me down and said, listen, dreams come true, dream big. She probably never even said that her whole life, but it was her, just her own innate modus operandi. And that's why, you know, I tell audiences when they ask, what can we do for our kids is just be a good model. You know, don't lament and complain and whine, uh, demonstrating a sense of powerlessness to the world because your kids will pick that up and feel powerless themselves. Um, be strong and, and walk the talk of these higher minded uh, teachings that you know certainly are not mine. They're, they're universal. They're everywhere out there. She also instilled, um, I guess you could say, a work ethic. Mm. Uh, you know, it was always about, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to make it happen because no one's going to bring it to you. Of course, she brought to my attention as a teenager, uh, my first year in college, these books. So right. all of a sudden, while it is up to me and I do have to do it and it all hinges on my perspective, uh, I'm supernatural. I'm not alone. I'm guided. I have inner senses. So, yeah, I've got to, as some would say, pray and move my feet. Um Someone's hearing me. And, and I don't mean to imply that there's a God that decides. I don't believe in that. I do believe, of course, in a divine intelligence, an almighty divine intelligence. I don't go to religion for that. I don't think spirituality necessarily needs religion. Um, but when we make steps in the direction of our dreams, I do believe because of our supernatural nature and our inclination to succeed that every effort we make is exponentially ramped up and heightened uh, in realms invisible. And so, yeah, you got to do all the work yourself, the physical work yourself, but your physical baby steps will unleash gigantic steps beyond the curtains of time and space, setting ourselves up for serendipity, so-called coincidences and accidents that will yield that which we were endeavoring to find. Um, so she gave me that work ethic, but, uh, but I was relieved to realize I'm supernatural through reading these books that we discovered virtually at the same time. She shared them immediately with me. And I, the third thing that I think she left with me is kind of a blend of all of that. But, uh, you know, we, we had a great friendship and, and I know that that's not even on the radar for some 
parent-child relationships. You know, we come here with baggage, so to speak, I believe, when a life begins. We're not virgin souls. I do not think that. Um, and so, you know, there's different challenges on the stage that may or may not flare up. And sometimes great parents, good people will have a situation with a child or several children where it's just, you know, angst and tumult and chaos and anything seemingly but love. But with love and patience and being a model and not forcing stuff, uh, we create the maximum opportunity for reconciliation so that when these hope you know, ideally phases are outgrown, um, an amazing bond will form. I didn't have really any flare-ups with my mom. Um, I think a mother-son relationship can be pretty extraordinary that way. There's no competition. There's no comparisons. Just like a father-daughter relationship um, can sometimes be quite spectacular. I mean, every relationship has spectacular attributes, and every relationship is different than all others. But um, for those reasons, I think, uh, I was able to have a really great kind of adult friendship, uh, and camaraderie, uh, and deep conversations with my mom, you know, until she passed. Right. And that was true the whole time, like throughout your childhood, or was that more as an adult you had that? Uh, I would, I remember having adult ish, you know, conversations probably in my early teenage years and, um, you know, you're handling concepts that, that are so new mm -hmm. on a week-by-week, month-by-month, year-by-year basis. Uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily mean learning about the birds and the bees or anything, <laughs> but just, you know, self-love, respect, dignity. Uh, again, the, the, I, the notions of living your dreams, having dreams, dealing with negativity, dealing with difficult people. The, I, the, those conversations started in probably my middle teenage years. But it wasn't just conversations about that either, you know. Uh, she was genuinely interested in, in, you know, my interest and encouraging me to do what I wanted to do and listening to me when I shared stories of, of joy or disappointment. And um, it was just, uh, I was very fortunate that way. Right. Well, and those qualities you just listed about self-respect and um, self-love and dreaming big or I'm sure all qualities that you want for your daughter as well. And do you have any like specific experiences you want your daughter to have? Like, do you have, you know, things, Oh, she definitely needs to travel here and see these different things. Uh -oh. Or is it more in the general sense of enjoying life? However, that shows up for her. I have a lot of those things, but I, oh, I, good. I'm not I the temper, only one then, huh? Good. Yeah. I temper all of them greatly mightily with you know let's see what appeals to her you know travel appeals to, to most people it certainly lights me up um, and I can't wait to travel the world with her but if in the end she's just a homebody and just really doesn't give a damn I think it would potentially create harm be damaging if I'm disappointed that she won't go to Holland with me or South Africa with me or uh, and and I see that a lot uh, with peers, other parents. I've seen it as a kid growing up uh, in parent-child relationships where there's this real expectation of behavior, of interests, of, you know, when they should get married, where are the grandchildren? Um, you know, uh, you know, some people are never going to get married. Some people are never going to have kids. Some children will never have kids of their own. And that doesn't mean they won't have the most 
amazing, stellar, awesome, cool adventures in time and space. And so if a parent is hung up on, do it this way and do it that way, and you're going to like it better if you, you know. So all of my desires for my daughter, and there are many, are all tempered with, you know, if she's up for it. Now, if she's, in my opinion, lazy, I will really try to spiritually entice her and coax her into to opening her mind as necessary. But there are places I want her to go. I, I definitely want her to dream. But I know kids uh, in, in my extended family even that they're just not ambitious. They're not. And if my daughter's not ambitious, I would never try to make her ambitious. It's like, you know, there's so much that an unambitious person could learn at home dealing with loved ones with their own work, their own career, their own expression of life that an ambitious person will never know and vice versa. So I, I gotta, I will always be tuning into what her real vibe is. Um, but, but I would like her to dream if she's ambitious. I would like her to be vigilant in pursuing her dreams, uh, rolling with setbacks. Uh, I would like her to have a work ethic sounds old fashioned. Um, mm. But a, but a real, true realization that she's the moving part that has to go first if anything is going to happen of a deliberate nature in crafting her future. And without her baby steps, the universe is just stuck in park. Um, I want to... Uh, I want to kind of embolden her socially, and I do that now a lot, you know, saying hello to anybody that we cross paths with. If we're walking through Disney World or through the grocery store and people are looking and nodding at her, you know, I encourage her to be vocal. And she's just now getting at the point where she's like, I'm shy, I'm shy. I'm like, oh, come on, oh, come on. She uses that too much. Um, when she just doesn't want to engage and she's not really shy. Sometimes it's just me and her and I'm talking to her and <laughs> she doesn't want to, you know, do something uh, trivial and she'll say, oh, I'm shy. So, you know, you, we all have to see through the BS, yep. <laughs> our own right. and our <laughs> yes. kids and everyone else's. Exactly. Well, those are amazing qualities and experiences um, that as a parent you're bringing into it. And so in in our last couple minutes, um, Mike, tell our listeners like where they can, you know, find one, your body of work, but then specifically the uh, the children's books, The Dreams Come True and Your Magical Life. Ah, oh, well, thanks for asking. Yes. Uh, my uh, my my kind of home base uh, on the internet is tut.com, tut.com, like the king, but but no <laughs> Egyptian influence. tut.com, <laughs> and from there people can get my free notes from the universe. They can find out where I'm speaking or touring next. They can take a gander at the 15 books or video courses. Uh, Etc. I have links to all of the books for, for easy purchase at Amazon.com. Um, some of the other stuff is available through my publisher, but I link there. And um, yeah, we have, a, we have a lot there at the website. And that's how people can find the kids' books as well. Dreams Come True is number one, the first one. And um, Your Magical Life is the second one. Very good. And for in wrapping up, like what's the major like take home message you like a parent um, listening to this to leave our conversation with either something that uh, we've talked about and you want to reiterate or maybe something new that didn't come up? You know, maybe if 
to be concise, which I always strive to be, um, not always success, uh, successful, <laughs> but have fun, you know, just period, have fun, you know, and you're going to have fun by not attaching, not assisting, not demanding, not having a preconceived idea of what your kid should be. You're going to have fun in the short term when you play and dance and color and uh, do the things at home. And fun also takes into account long term. Um, if you want fun to be on the agenda two years and 20 years from now, that means there's seeds that need to be planted, concepts that need to be instilled, um, disciplines that should be honed, um, you know, whether it's, you know, being diligent, whether it's not giving up, whether it's making the best of a situation. Uh, and so having fun doesn't just mean play nonstop. It means create a foundation for the rest and the best of their lives, beginning with, you know, the present moment and all else uh, in, in a way that you can both, you and your child, uh, for the most part, be smiling about, you know, through the lessons, through the talks, through the fun and games, um, have fun. Cause I think that's, that's why we're here. Right. Wise, wise words. Uh, what about a message for the little kids that might be listening? We have a lot of pregnant moms listening, maybe babies in utero still listening in oh or they're, <laughs> they're, uh, on mommy's chest or they're in the back of the car. Like what's, what's something that you'd like to whisper into their little ear? Well, I'd like to tell you that we're so excited you're here or about to be here in these hallowed, glorious jungles of time and space. You are in for one heck of an adventure, an adventure that is unlimited, where anything can happen and you get to decide what that anything is. Um, listen to your mommies and listen to your daddies. Let them be your best friends. They have your your greatest interest in mind. They love you even before they know you. And... Uh, Prepare to be astounded every single day of your life. Oh, so beautiful. And if you don't mind, Mike, can I close with the last words of your Dreams Come True book? I'd be honored and thrilled. And this whole experience with you, Jay, has been an honor. Thanks for doing what you do. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking with you. The, the very last page of um, the very first book, the, the Dreams Come True, it says, If all of the people in all of the world could turn their worries into laughter then all of the people in all of the world would live happily ever after. And that is a woo, very woo. nice sentiment to close a book and get to bedtime. And now it's time to go to sleep, Nico. <laughs> so, thank you again, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure. Okay. Thank you, Jay. And uh, happy trails to you, your listeners, uh, your little one there, and all else. It's Dr. J again, and I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's something I really enjoy doing, and I, as a parent, learn a ton from these experts coming on and sharing their wisdom, so I hope you're getting a lot out of it, too. And I want to share something else with you. I've created a guide called The 40 Ways to Connect with Your Baby During Pregnancy. It's full of simple things you can do on a day-to-day -day basis that will help strengthen that bond that you have with your baby. It's a free download. You can go to my website at drjwarren.com slash 40 ways and just enter your email. I'll send it right to you. You can download it and start working on it right away. 
all of the research that I'm learning in the fields of epigenetics and attachment parenting is showing that the more bonded you are during your pregnancy with your baby, the better the birth is going to go and the better parenting is going to go because you have that strong foundation, a strong connection to build upon. So go again to my website. It's drjwarren.com slash 40 ways and get that free guide. And again, thanks for listening.